Okay. Student Radio Maastricht. You're listening to Student Radio Maastricht. And welcome to Maastricht Musings, our new show in which Chiara Redmond, one of our producers, talks to bachelor students about their final thesis topics. First episode, Eva on Commodity Feminism. Hi, I'm Kira Redmond, and this is the podcast series called Maastricht Musings, in which I interview students who, like me, are in their last semester of their bachelor's degree and are in the midst of writing their theses. It seemed like such a shame to me that the topics that they were researching were so interesting, but may only really be known by themselves and their thesis advisors. I decided to make this short series discussing some of the topics with these students and asking them what makes each topic so worth writing a thesis on. In this first episode, I chatted to Eva Dieterhen, a third-year student at University College Maastricht. Eva studies gender and media, and I love chatting to her about it, because she always writes really eye-opening assignments. I remember once she gave a presentation on Nicki Minaj, for example, and I could never watch her music videos in the same way again. This was also the case for so many other examples. Ava would show me something, like a TV show, or an advertisement, or a movie, and talking to her about it was like putting on a new pair of glasses that allowed me to see things I previously would not have been able to notice. So welcome to Maastricht Musings, episode one. Okay, you ready? You got yes. your tea? You comfortable? Yeah. yeah. You happy? Yeah. Yeah? Nervous. <laughs> Well, then, can we start by you just introducing yourself, who you are? Okay. Um, I'm Eva. I'm 20 years old, and I'm from Nijmegen in the Netherlands, and I'm currently studying in Maastricht, doing UCM, University College. And I'm in my final year now, my third year, and I'm just working on my bachelor thesis. I'm finishing that up. And what are you writing on? So I'm writing on popular feminism and applying that to an American TV show called The Bold Type, mm -hmm. which hasn't been released in the Netherlands, unfortunately. Um, but there's been one season in the US and it's been renewed for two more seasons. So it's quite a popular show. So you're writing about feminism. Uh, did you say popular feminism? Yeah, so I'm focusing on popular feminism because feminism in itself is a big kind of diversity between what types of feminism you're referring to and popular feminism is mainly looking at feminism within popular culture and kind of the current trend of feminism becoming a popular term again so something that is kind of stylish and desirable um, whereas it used to be kind of like a dirty word if you called yourself a feminist um, so that's kind of what popular feminism encompasses. And that's why I focus on that instead of just focusing on feminism. But the, the entire thing with labeling different types of feminism, it's it becomes so weird because you can't really say like, there's done this type of feminism and everything falls on here yeah. and then there's this yeah. and it's all distance. It's all like interlinked. And I just decided to use popular feminism because I feel like for me, makes the most sense i'm like okay i'm just this is the term i'm using and if you don't like it i'm sorry i'm using this one because <laughs> i could use tens of thousands of other ways of phrasing it yeah. it's so annoying and so how does what you're writing now for your bachelor's thesis address that 
So it's looking at this idea of feminism within popular culture as very linked to um, consumer behavior and to the fashion industry. And it's mainly looking at how, um, especially with ter- with like regards to sexual exploitation, this becomes kind of a questionable goal if you look at feminism within fashion, for example, because fashion is still very tied to exploiting garment workers, for example. So it's kind of going against that aspect of the definition. What's a new way that we see feminism now then? So if you look at, for example, the 90s, the 1990s, you saw this kind of emergence of girl power, for example, especially with the Spice Girls saying that, you know, feminism was very rigid and it didn't allow women to be women or girls to be girls. So now we have girl power as in you can, you know, you can love pink, but you can also be a feminist or be, you know, pro female equality or equality of the sexes um nowadays what you see is that there's still this kind of notion of feminism as you know wearing pink and looking good and kind of personal empowerment but the term is back so it's not just labeled as girl power or as something that is distancing itself from feminism it's become a word that is celebrated again and that's kind of a trend that you've been seeing over like the last decade I would say okay so when we were talking before you were talking about how there are three types of feminism in popular feminism now could you explain them so what you see in popular feminism is that it's quite linked to commodity feminism, neoliberal feminism, and post-feminism. A commodity feminism, that's, I think, the main one that I focus on in my bachelor thesis, because it talks about how um, feminism becomes commercialized. And we mainly see this in the fashion industry, that if you now look at some of the big fashion brands if you look at even like high fashion like Dior and Chanel or if you look at H&M and Zara you can see that these companies are using feminist slogans on their t-shirts and it's used as a way to sell products and a lot of people are quite critical of this because they're saying well now it's great that people are celebrating the term feminism but what does it then mean to be a feminist? Does it mean that you just wear a t-shirt that is produced by um, young women in poor countries that are working for like 50p an hour or something? So it's become a very controversial aspect of feminism, but it's very popular. You can see these t-shirts everywhere. And in the same way, it's kind of linked to neoliberalism. It's just working within this neoliberal capitalist system it's not really going against it it's not really going against existing social relations it's just kind of going with it and post-feminism is mainly now used as a kind of more of an analytic tool to look at popular feminism so post-feminism is kind of it, it mean the term itself is very controversial again because it's saying that we are post feminism which obviously we are not but it's just looking at kind of this new way 
of feminism as being very um, related to media culture. And that's also what my thesis focuses on. So I've been like reading a lot on post-feminist analysis of shows like Sex and the City or movies like Bridget Jones, which is quite similar to what I'm doing. Um, so when you were talking about the three types of popular feminism and you were talking about the commercialization of feminism, can you think of when you noticed this for the first time yourself? Um, yes. Well, um, I remember that I was um, talking to my mom about how, like needing new clothes and she told me that she saw um, this t-shirt in a store that said, I think it said, I'm a feminist or this is what a feminist looks like. And she said, oh, you should buy that because you're a feminist. And I got very confused. I was like, I, I felt immediately kind of offended by it or I felt like adverse do you say that adverse to it troubled by it it. yeah as in why I I know that I'm a feminist I do gender studies why would I need a t-shirt to remind me about it and I kept seeing these t-shirts and these ads from fashion companies and it just bothered me because I felt like that's not what feminism is about or not what I believe feminism to be about. And I chatted a lot with my friends about it as well, with you. (laughs) So um, it became clear to me that it's not just something that I once randomly saw, but it became a trend that we can see in different aspects of popular culture, but mainly fashion. Yeah. So you were saying that when you saw these examples, so... Um, in the fashion industry or in advertisements of this sort of this popular feminism that you were talking about that it troubled you but why do you think it troubled you why do you think that it matters what's wrong with it well the thing is in itself there's nothing wrong with wanting to wear a t-shirt that has a feminist statement you would say it's not that you're doing anything wrong and even so um, more visibility for the feminist movement should be something that is positive but the problem is that this feminism is almost like feminism without a substance it's not really based on anything it's not political it's saying that buying a t-shirt is being a good feminist and it's overlooking the bigger structures that are behind for example the production of a t-shirt these t-shirts are made by garment workers and they're predominantly female and they face um, very like poor health conditions but also sexual exploitation sexual harassment and it's problematic when these things are not addressed that when you're buying these t-shirts you're contributing to that and that's where it becomes problematic if this is so prevalent in popular culture which is mainly targeting young girls with this version of popular feminism that they'll be educated about the feminist movement through thinking that this is what it's about, so that feminism is just about their own individual empowerment and about wearing heels and red lipstick and loving fashion. I mean, it's fine if you if you want to wear a t-shirt like that, if you want to wear heels, then sure, you should do that, but you shouldn't forget that there is more to the feminist movement than just that. Yeah. Could you talk a little bit about the relationship between popular feminism and privilege? 
Uh, yeah, so what we see with popular feminism, and mainly through the analysis that I do of the bull type, is that it's very focused on fashion and sexual empowerment, which are both um, kind of linked to individual empowerment and agency. And what the problem is, if popular feminism promotes individual empowerment and agency, is that who is able to attain this individual empowerment? Because that has to do a lot with privilege, because the women that are represented in these uh, TV shows are white, young, attractive women, cisgender, so they, how do I say that correctly? They like, conf like they conform with their biological sex. But it's very much tied to privilege in the sense that these are very privileged women. Um, class is never really mentioned. Their financial situation is never mentioned, for example. So this individual empowerment that is promoted in popular feminism isn't attainable to everyone. Like, there are so many women that are not in their position and are not able to go out and buy these sh shoes or go out and have sex like maniacs. <laughs> that's kind of what they do in the show. Um, and that's where it becomes very problematic. If you just focus on the individual, then you're missing out on the collective and on men and women that might need the movement for more than that or people that don't that are like gender neutral for example that would really benefit from a feminist movement that is inclusive and that is able to support them but you can't do that if it's just focused on individuals and especially if these individuals are very pretty young cisgendered women white women as well so you can see that there are some problems with the movement that we can see now, um, or at least there are some limitations to it. So what do you think could be done to make it better? Well, I think one of the things that people should be like people shouldn't do is to get very nostalgic and think about, oh, it used to be better in the 60s or, oh, everything used to be so much better because that's not... You can never go back because as society changes, movements change as well and feminism changes. So you can't really say, oh, we used to be more political and nowadays it's just nothing anymore. Because that would also undermine that there are people that do work a lot towards the feminist movement and are working towards, you know, making a difference. It's just problematic that the representation that we have in popular culture of feminism is so one-sided it's just kind of this type of feminism and I think that what would be very beneficial for people is to realize that this is very much tied to privilege that there are others that you need to think of that there's a bigger structure behind the t-shirt that you buy or the representation that you see especially for young people that are just learning about feminism and I think that there are efforts to change the movement. For example, like Emma Watson, who has been very public in her feminist ideology, but she's also talked about, I'm a white woman with privilege. I'm aware of this. This is something that people need to be aware of. That can be very powerful, especially for young people to see, okay, I need to be aware of who I am, who am I in this movement, who are others in this movement, and what can we do for others that are not in my privileged position. I think if you're able to create that awareness, it will be very beneficial for 
feminist movement. This was the first episode of Maastricht Musings, with more to come soon, so stay tuned. Thank you, Ava, for taking the time to be a part of this. And of course, a big thank you to the Student Radio Maastricht team. The music in this podcast was by Lee Rosevier, and the link will be in the description. Student Radio Maastricht is a platform for students to be able to create their own audio podcasts. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever else you like to listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening.